Thank you guys for being here this morning. Um, man, we just, um, uh, we're talking to you guys about developing holy habits in 23 that are going to really help shape your future self. And we're in a series of sermons. This is week three. Uh, we've been walking through this journey together. And I do not say this lightly, and I do not say this as just a phrase that preachers use today. Uh, and I know you've heard it, but I say it sincerely. I have seldom seen a congregation be obedient to what God was trying to help them with in their life as what you guys have been the last two Sundays. There has been a movement that I've not seen. And if you came out of other churches like some of us did, or even this church back in the day, where we went for a long time and you didn't feel or sense God moving, don't take it for granted. He has been working in your all's hearts and in your lives. And I believe if what happens in first service happens in the second one, y'all were waiting outside. Sorry about that. But uh, I'm not taking the blame for this one. The spirit was moving and we just, we went on and I don't apologize. It was good. And he has wanting to pour into you guys today. And it's not the important metric by any stretch, what I'm going to close with and discipleship is, but just because of God moving the largest, we've been here 90 years, and the largest Sunday in our church's history for just a regular Sunday. Uh, we accomplished the goal of reaching 400 last year on average, and this last Sunday we had over 500 here. And God is just moving, and it's just crazy. And quite frankly, it scared me to death because I just don't know what to do with you all. But anyway, uh, we are here this morning. And what I want to focus in on is these holy habits of what God is doing. And I believe he's going to do it in your heart and your life. Matter of fact, as we think about your future self, I believe before you get through this day to day, your future self is going to send you an email today. All right, your future self is going to send you an email today, and here's what he's going to say in your heart and your life. He's going to say to you, thank you for listening to what God was trying to do to change your present self. What he's saying, there's a whole lot better you coming. Uh, I, I need this, and I want this, but thank you for listening and becoming obedient today at your present self. And so you're going to get this email, and here's what the email is going to say, is it gives you the details about how to change your future self, and it starts today with your present self. And here's what it's going to say. First of all, you need to understand this morning that this is what's going to be in the bottom of the email. It's going to say to you guys and to mine, have you fully come to grasp that King Jesus, King Jesus, King Jesus cares more about your future self than you do? Do you believe that this morning? King Jesus cares more about your future self than you do. Now the question is, is are you going to let him uh, work in your heart and your life? And here's what we know. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? Because this is what the Bible says. For everyone who has trusted Jesus as your Savior, as your King, as your Redeemer, as the one who's forgiven you, if you know him by those titles and many more, then what he has done is he has supernaturally adopted you into what the Bible says, you are now in the body of Christ. Let that sink in this morning. Because of what he did, you are now in the body 
of Christ. And it doesn't matter who you are, where you came from. Uh, we've got uh, one of my good friends this, uh, in, in our first service, uh, in, uh, Danny, and he's from China. So God loves Asian people. Uh, he loves uh, uh, black people. He loves uh, Hispanic people. He loves white people. All of them matter to him. And here's the thing. He doesn't matter. And God loves some of you all are white and black. Uh, and my kids married Hispanics. So my kids are brown. Uh, so he loves brown and white kids. Uh, and so I'm just saying to you, uh, as he loves all of us, are in the body of Christ together. And theologically, what you need to know, and this is going to be in the rest of the email. So first of all, God loves every one of you. Secondly, he wants you all to know about this future self is where Jesus is at. And this is important. He says to you and I in this future email you're going to get today about your future self, he's saying to you and I, theologically, you need to know where Jesus is at this morning. Now, let me explain to you. Jesus is not in this house. Oh, dang. I'm not going to this church. Uh, Listen to it. Let me quantify. Theologically, Jesus, you know where he's at right now? Jesus... The Bible says, is at the right hand of the Father. He is in the throne room. He is in all of dominion and power and glory. And guess what? He's not just sitting there watching. He is interceding for this service today, Wages. He is praying for you because he loves you. He's praying for this worship service today that we will listen because he cares a whole lot more about your future self than you do. And so that's where Jesus is at. And what does that tell us? So what the Bible says is that Jesus wants to invade planet Earth. But Pastor Terry, you just told us he's at the right hand of the Father. You're getting it now. So how does Jesus invade the Earth with this incredible message and with this incredible story? He uses the body of Christ. You see where I'm going with that? He uses you and I. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. This is why we're going to do over 50 community service projects because you can't tell people about Jesus. They're not going to listen to you until you earn their respect and they know that you care first. That's what our church focus is now. We don't have business meetings to discuss what, how much furniture that we're going to have and how much food we're going to have for a fellowship dinner. We did away with that because we're on a mission to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this community and around the world. And so what God is saying is I've called you to a greater purpose. And here's what the bottom of the email says. Y'all ready? You need to write this down. Every one of you need to write this down because this is where y'all get hung up at. And guess what the email says about your future self? It's not about you. (laughs) Write that down. Here's what he's saying. We're hung up on, I came to church because I need this. I want this. I want to experience this. Let me explain again to you real simply. It's not about you. It's about you living on a greater purpose. God has called you and I to invade the planet with his message, and you're going to hear about that in our little finish up in our 10-minute segment, how you can do that in your life and mine. So ultimately, what we're learning today, for those of us that are in Christ, and if you're not in Christ today, this doesn't apply to you, but it can, all right? And we're going to give you an opportunity to experience that at the end of the service this morning. So here's the takeaway. How do we 
understand what God is trying to see in us. How does he see us? And here's how we do this. Sow a thought and reap a habit. Write this down. Reap a habit and determine your destiny. I'm convinced, totally, totally convinced that our biggest mistake that we're making is that the enemy gives us thoughts all week long and it tells us the lies and it deceives us and we're struggling in our thought life to really see ourselves as God sees us. And the only way you're going to win this battle is you've got to begin and we're going to share with you this morning how to develop holy habits that will change the way you think. You've got to daily put these habits into practice and it will change the way you see yourself and you will slowly begin the discipline of seeing yourself as God sees you. Holy habits that make a difference. All right, I'm not sure if you're all getting it. So let me illustrate to you guys this morning this struggle with your thought life and holy habits. So, um, um, I was uh, in a number of years ago, in my early 30s, and uh, emphasize that part of it. So a number of years ago, shut up. And uh, we were living in Atlanta, Georgia. I was pastoring a, a, a church sort of plant uh, there in Marietta, Georgia. And anyway, um, Blim was, she was working at the YMCA. She did the children's nursery thing there. And I was going couple of days a week and playing basketball at the YMCA. This was in sort of a really high-end area, Marietta, Georgia, and I was going to play basketball at noon uh, with the guys, and so uh, I would do that for during my lunch break time. One day, uh, and, and this was a really high-end YMCA, so uh, several, uh, some of, occasionally some of the Georgia Tech players, and I'm not talking, about, I don't know, don't disrespect to ICC guys, but uh, this wasn't, you know, uh, Blue Mountain or ICC guys, this was Georgia Tech, Division one school, and their dudes were showing up occasionally. So uh, their uh, big uh, center that had got it drafted by the NBA shows up one day at lunch, and he's wanting the ball. And so he's seven foot tall. He's been drafted to the NBA. He's graduating from Georgia Tech, and uh, he suits it up, and he comes out there to play ball, Neil, uh, and I happen to be there at lunch. That same day, just sort of all perfect coalition came together. There was a guy that had just retired from the NBA uh, from the Boston Celtics, and so he's still in his third. He just retired. He shows up and he's ready to ball. And then there was at least seven or eight other international. They were professional, but they were drafted international. They were playing overseas. And Dre, they all showed up. And so we're all balling. And uh, and I'm out there on the court and I'm with these guys. And you just have to know I love basketball. So this is my dream come true, Colton. You know. And 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 I and now listen to me clearly on this because I want to make this clear. Do not misquote me. Do not misunderstand me this morning. I have the heart and the mentality of MJ and Kobe, just not the talent, <laughs> okay? And so, and plus, I'm, you know, a lot shorter. Uh, but, but so when these guys all showed up, uh, instead of just like, okay, you guys play and I'll watch, I'm like, heck no. Man, I strapped it up. And I'm like, all right, we're balling now. So I've dreamed that I've got shafted and had never got drafted in the NBA. Here's my one shot, baby. We're playing it. And I came out Stanley firing. I mean, I wasn't intimidated. I wasn't scared. I said, come get me, big boy. And I shot in his face. And I kept shooting. I nailed three trays 
in a row. I mean, I am showing up. I scored 15 points right off the bat. All these guys are sitting there. Who's the, you know, they use the name. Anyway, and, uh, and so, and uh, who's this dude? And, and man, I'm just, I'm playing like out of my head. And, and it's coming together. And all of a sudden, about 15 minutes into this thing, I hit a wall. You see, I don't do this every day. And so 15 minutes of playing full court against this kind of professional level, I ran out of gas. And I mean, I'm just like dying out there. And then they, I got so hot that they actually called timeout and they got their best defensive guy. I mean, we're talking about a dude that plays international basketball, graduated D1. He suits it up, and he's just locking me down. I mean, everywhere I go, what happens after that 15 minutes is not only did I not score again, I never even saw the ball again. I could have been a flower on the wall. I mean, I disappeared. I had no game. I, I was literally absolutely useless the rest of that game. And it went on for another 30 or 45 minutes. I mean, it was like I wasn't even out there. And here's what I came to the conclusion to realize that day. Is that for me, basketball is a hobby. For them, it is a daily thing that they do 24 hours a day. It's a habit to them. They're playing ball all the time. I have no business playing in their league. One, because I'm only six foot tall. But two, uh, they do this every day of their life. And, and I think what God is saying to you and I this morning, if you guys really want to have that better future self, then your mentality has to change that church... And Christ is just a pickup sport for you. It's going to become, in 23, a holy habit that I love Jesus Christ. I hang out with him daily, and I spend time with him, and I'm going to develop the holy habits that change my whole mentality about my relationship with Jesus. All right, so now let's dig into this, and uh, let's, let's dive into this. And, and this is going to be tough, and so I'm going to probably offend you guys here, and so let me try. For the Gen Zs and the Millennials in the room this morning, and I love you guys. Man, we're so proud that you guys are flocking to our church. And we absolutely love having you guys bring a lot of cool stuff. But one of the things that's not cool, generally speaking, is that you guys have a fascination. This is what cultural trends tell us. And every business owner in the room is fixing to have a hallelujah moment. And they're going to scream and walk the aisles. Is Generation Zs and millennials is you guys are fascinated with mediocrity. You guys love just doing enough to get the job done. And that's where you guys are at. And, and, and I get why you think that way. Because you're like, all this competition stuff has caused hatred and division and, and people excelling. And so you all are cool with just doing okay because that way nobody gets their feelings hurt. And that's sort of the generation. And I get why you think that way. But it's not biblical. And now look at me, Gen Zs and Millennials. God has created you in his image to be far superior than just mediocrity. He's created you to far exceed what's just average. He made you in his image to do far more. Now, 
let me bust on my generation and those, and, and, and let me explain why the Gen Zs and millennials are probably the way they are and all screwed up and stuff. All right? And, and so it starts with us because here's my generation and, and those of us older is that we lived our lives, and I see it. You guys watched us. Now, here's what we did. Oh, yeah, we're going to get the American dream, and we're going to go out, and we're going to work hard, and we're going to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, and, and we never taught you about Jesus, grace, and forgiveness. What we did is we went to church on Sunday, and we put on a good show. We worked really hard, but at home, we acted like hell was breaking loose. We cussed, we, we, uh, we abused, and we did a lot of wicked stuff, and we were very selfish, and we covered it up, and then we put our suit and tie on Sunday morning and played the nice little southern church game, and no wonder y'all's generation comes up and says, we're out on that. And honestly, I get you guys. So what I'm telling you is, is both are wrong. Both are wrong. What we need to come back to is seeing ourselves, all generations, as God sees us. Are you tracking with me this morning? I'm just being honest. And so we got to move beyond this thing. And, and here's why you need to do this. And I don't have this on the screen. I should have, but here's what the Holy Spirit led me this morning to underline in my notes, in my manuscript. You rise to the level of your habits. Let me say that again. You rise to the level of your habits. What God is saying is I want you to develop holy habits in 23. They're going to help you understand the way that God sees you. <laughs> I'm not sure that you guys have this down. Um, you, you need to know this morning, because of the supernatural exchange on the cross, here's why you need to see yourself as God sees you. You ready to hear this? Do you know what God sees when he sees you? What does God see when he sees you? He doesn't see you at all. If you're a believer in this room this morning, all he sees is his son, Jesus. Wow. Do you understand that this morning? When God sees you, if you're a believer here this morning, he doesn't see all your faults. He doesn't see all your past. He doesn't see all your future stupid mistakes. All he sees is King Jesus. And, and, and here's what happened supernaturally on the cross. Is Jesus exchanged. Y'all get this down? Jesus exchanged your unrighteousness for his righteousness. The blood was applied and your unrighteousness and he applied his righteousness. All right, y'all ought to be coming unglued in here. Man, y'all are so Baptist and boring. All right, so you ought to be coming unglued at that statement. Uh, so let me give you uh, an illustration of this this morning. Uh, uh, I want you all to get this, and I don't think you all are. Uh, whenever I was growing up, as a teenager, and uh, obviously we didn't have phones. We had, they, they, had, they were on a cord. Anyway, and so, uh, and you only had one in your grandma's house and it was yellow or green. Uh, but anyway, and so uh, when I was growing up, uh, here's how I got through high school and college. Now, I know, you know, y'all are thinking, Grant and Lee, and, you know, they worship me, and they think I'm super smart. <laughs> Shut up, Grant. Act, at least act like. Anyway, and, uh, but believe it or not, I struggled to get through uh, high school and college. But here's how I got through it. I carried a little bottle with me. I carried a little bottle with me, and I had it with me at all times through high school and college. And your parents are going, why is the preacher talking about, you know, <laughs> a little bottle? And guess what the label on the little bottle said, Stanley? 
it said white out. And if you grew up in my generation, you took the little knob and you un pulled it out, and it had little white stuff on it, and everything you typed, there was a thing back in our day called a typewriter, Google it, and, uh, and everything you did is you typed it out, and everything that you wrote, man, and if Belen will testify, we were in high school sweethearts, and so everything I typed, my fingers still don't work, hate that thing, and anyway, and I was whiting out everything. I had great thoughts. I just butcher the English language, and so grammatically, and so I wrote, and, and then we used to do, all right, you're ready for Gen Z's, so we used to do this thing. I know you don't know anything about it, but it's called handwriting. And so uh, we, uh, we would write notes and we would write stuff down on a piece of paper. And we had this thing. It's, look it up. It's called cursive. Anyway, and so we would write stuff down. You guys can't read it. You, it's foreign language. And anyway, and so uh, we would write stuff down. And then every, and I would misspell stuff. I would write love letters to Belinda. And she would go, I don't even understand what you're saying. Uh, and so uh, the thought was there. I used whiteout on everything. And that's how I graduated from high school and college. Whiteout. Covered up all the mistakes. And it was like they weren't even there. What you need to know this morning, you ready for this, is that Jesus Christ has covered up your mistakes. Jesus Christ has brought to you and I through the cross, the death, and the, and the resurrection. He's brought red out. <laughs> Y'all write that down this morning. He's brought red out. And this morning, every time when the devil tells you and brings up your past and all your mistakes and all your failures, what I want you to bring out is red out. Because I'm telling you, Jesus has er eradicated our, our mistakes. He has forgiven us. And this morning, we have been set free by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Amen. Thank you. About time. All right. You're all killing me. Got to raise the dead here this morning. <laughs> oh my gosh. I done sweated through the second time. Y'all better help me out because I ain't got to, I'm not old enough. I told him out there in the first service, if the Holy Spirit doesn't stop working, he's got to get a younger preacher or do something to give me a break because I'm too old for this. All right, here we are. Where are we at? Uh, I don't even know. Let's go to the sermon title. See what God sees. Here's the third piece of developing your future self through holy habits. You need to learn to see what he sees. And um, I know I preached on this text in Luke 7 last year. For those of you that are new to Connect Church, uh, we've been doing this thing of preaching through the gospel of Luke for about 17 years. And uh, so uh, about eight years ago, I preached to him, and don't worry, we're going to be done in five. But anyway, um, but uh, we're going to take a fresh approach to the story of the woman in Luke 7. We're just going to look at that story from the woman's perspective today. Uh, so take a fresh approach to it. Now here's, um, uh, this is going to be a first for me. So here's the setting of Luke 7. The Pharisees, uh, this one Pharisee by the name of Simon, not the disciple, but Simon the Pharisee. He, uh, and, and so let me explain to you real quickly who a Pharisee was. Well, no, here's what we're going to do. All right, look at me. Uh, this is only maybe the second time, I don't know if I've ever done this, maybe the second time in 21 years as your pastor here that I'm getting ready to ask you to do something that I've just never done. I'm going to ask you to watch TV. And here's what I want you to watch specifically because it'll save us a lot of time. I want you to watch The Chosen. The Chosen, how many of you been, how many of you are familiar with The Chosen? Some of you all seen it? All right, all right, the rest of you heathens have got to check into this. And uh, here's what you want to do with this. And I, and I promise you, uh, I've never seen anything in my lifetime that explains the Jewish culture. 
yeah, you're going to see Jesus in this thing, but it's, and it's well done. It's not the cheesy Christian stuff that's just embarrassing. This is well done quality. But what it does better than any piece I've ever seen is it allows you to see the Judea, the, the Jew, how the Jews went through their daily routines. It's going to, when you read the Bible, the Bible's going to change the way you see it because you're, and this is what I've been yelling at you for years. Well, the reason we don't get a lot out of the Bible is because we don't see it through the lens of the Jewish culture. And this will open your eyes to seeing what a Pharisee is. You're going to know when I say those words, when I say about their, um, how their hatred was, you're going to see why they hated Jesus so much. All of that is just going to leap off the screen. Matter of fact, uh, the other night, and I were watching season two, episode one, I think, or whatever it is. And oh my gosh, my favorite by far is so far is that uh, John, and you see how that the Holy Spirit worked in John as he wrote his gospel. And man, I was just, I was, it was a wow moment. So it's just good. And, uh, and it'll save me a lot of time. So here's the story of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were um, people who were religious leaders of their day. They were rabbis. And uh, what, what most of them did is they would walk around. They wore expensive clothes. They did not work a nine to five job like the rest of the people. So you got all of these uh, other Jews that are working their backsides off and they're laid and then you got these rabbis who walk around as with their head up in the clouds and they would just uh, judge you and say, you're stupid, you don't obey the law. You would go to the synagogue on Saturday on the Sabbath and then they would tell you how bad you were. And this is, so the people really couldn't stand the Pharisees, but they had to revere them. So the Pharisees had nothing to do with you, were never invited around to their home. They literally just believed that you were one notch above an animal and that's how they treated you in the synagogue. And then if you sin, they had no use for you at all. Stay away from you. You were unclean. And that's how the religious community and some of you went to church there back in the day. And so this woman hears that Jesus is going to the house of a Pharisee. And you have to understand, here's the story of this woman. Let me read it to you first. And then I want to dive into it. Yeah, let's do this. I'm telling you, I want you to listen to the Word of God because the Holy Spirit's fixing to send you an email about your future self. And I think you're going to relate to this woman. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and he reclined at a table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned when she learned that he was at the reclining at the table at the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And yes, kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man, talking about Jesus, remember that he's invited Jesus into his house. He's not a believer. He just wants to question him. If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman. You can hear the disdain in his thoughts. He's not saying this out loud. In his thoughts. That who this woman is is touching him, for she is a sinner. Oh, look at me. This is so cool. And then Jesus answering said to him, Simon... I have something to say to you. And he answered and said, yeah, go ahead. 
So get this picture in your mind. Now here's what he made a huge mistake of, Gary, is Simon the Pharisee had no clue that Jesus was God. He, uh, he already read his mind. He knew exactly how disdaining, sarcastic, and angry that this dude was, that this woman showed up and messed up his little meal, and she was that kind of woman. And so he's thinking all of that. You just read it. And so Jesus says, can I have a word with you? And he's like, oh, yes, you're going to pontificate on, you know, how, um, you know, this woman should be cast out of here. Boy, was he wrong. Because remember what we're talking to you about today? We need to learn to see ourselves as God sees us, not as you think you are. It's not about you. This dude's fixing to get blown up right here. Look at it. What happens next? And it's certain Jesus tells a story. And by the way, for all those of you, I used to get criticized. You tell too many stories in your sermons. So did Jesus. So booyah. All right. And a certain money lender had two debtors and one owned 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answers, here's the Pharisee, uh, I, uh, the one I suppose, so he's thinking he's really impressing him, I suppose the one whom canceled the larger debt. And he said unto him, you've judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I enter, and, and I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet. Uh, we'll come back to that in a second. But she wet my feet with her, ha- with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she's anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said unto her, your sins are forgiven. And then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who in the world is this? You can hear him. Who even forgives sin? And he said unto the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now here's what I want you to do this morning. Get out your notes. I've only got two thoughts today. I don't have the energy to give you more. Uh, But here's, I'm going to give you two thoughts this morning. And these are important to your emotional and mental health. To your future self, guys. This is the application. Uh, Borrow some of these thoughts from Rick Warren. I just made up my mind uh, a little bit better than him. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, And so here's principle number one. Jesus loves sinners like you and me. Jesus loves sinners like you and me. Jesus and his humanity comes to the planet earth and and he's saying to you and I, God is saying to you and I, here's the standard. I want you to look at my son. He's going to live among you. We're going to write the Bible. And here's the mark. This is the goal for you and I to live after. And and you have to admit, if you're here this morning, you're watching online, uh, you have to admit you may, not, you may be an atheist and not believe in Jesus and, and you, know, you don't like religion, whatever your deal is, but you have to admit, everybody has to admit, Jesus was different. Jesus, all right, you ready? Jesus was lit and he was dope. 
I'm trying to be cooler, okay? Anyway, it just doesn't work for me because I'm me. Uh, so what does all the old people go, what in the world? He, he said Jesus was on dope. No, I didn't say that. All right. Uh, so it translated for the younger crowd, for the older crowd, us older people, <laughs> sorry, is that Jesus was amazing, okay? All right. So you, you with me now? We're all tracking. Jesus was not on dope. All right. Anyway. All right. So here's the thing I want you all to see this morning. Jesus is so cool and so powerful. And, and so he's saying to you and I that we have to admit that. And, and, and Jesus is God's glory. All right? So what does that mean? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So my question to the, the rise is, what is, what does God's glory look like? All right, Shelton, you graduated from South Hill, barely. But, I'm sorry. Anyway, and uh, so what is the glory of God? And so what does that mean? Well, here's, here's what we need to understand. You see, God is glory. He's holy. He's loving. He's, he, you realize that God is so complex and so incredible. He is so glorious that here's what's going to happen, Brandon. The, uh, the rest of your life, Daniel, sorry. Uh, here's what's going to happen the rest of your life. You're going to kill me for that one. Uh, here's what's going to happen the rest of your, for eternity. God is so glorious. He is so holy. He created the universe. You and I are going to get to spend eternity just learning and discovering how glorious God is. And by the way, when the eternity which never ends is still going on, we still will just begin to scratch the surface, Freddie, of how glorious God is. And so he says, you all have fallen short of that. And I got news for you. It's not about you. Ain't none of you even close to holding a candle to God's glory. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Now get this. This is where your mind's blown, all right? God says, I love sinners so much like you and me that I want them to become a part of my family. Somebody say amen. So he says, you know what? When we couldn't reach glory, when we couldn't reach glory, God brought glory down to us and his name is Jesus. Amen. Dude, you guys got to do better. Let me say that again. This is, this is lame. All right, I'm telling you, when we couldn't go to glory, you see, without Jesus, we're all going to hell. Without Jesus, we all have no hope of a future life and a better self. But I'm telling you, when we couldn't go to glory, God brought glory down, and his name is Jesus. Amen. There you go. Worship him. Dang it. All right, so here we are. I'm just saying he's worthy of our praise. So when we understand, oh, this is good, write this down. When we understand that when we gave God our worst and he still gave us his best, it is that love that transforms us. It is that love that transforms us. And honestly, y'all got to get excited about this stuff. Man, when I go preach stuff like this down the street at White Hill Church, all the black folks, my pastor friend, you know, they come unglued. Man, they are running the aisle when I'm preaching. They're out. One guy uh, used to teach here. He got out in the middle of the aisle and he goes, man, preacher, you just hit it out of the park. I love that. All right? You guys need to learn how to worship, man. You guys are too stuck in your Baptist ways. I'm just telling you, when God and the Holy Spirit is speaking to your hearts, we need to glorify him. And so we understand what great, that when we gave God our worst, he gave us his best. Now here's back to our text. And let me... Remind you the story of the woman. And then I'm going to give you the final principle. And you're going to see it all come together. 
So the woman, who is she? The Bible says that she has many sins. Maybe this is her story. She grew up in an abusive home. She grew up with a daddy who neglected her. She had a family member who sexually abused her. And when she grew up in her home, she just didn't know what it was to be even a decent person. The Bible says she has many sins. This woman has made stupid decisions all of her life. She's been trying to prove her worth with every man in town in Capernaum. Every woman in Capernaum hates her. She's the whore. She's the one that'll steal your husband. She's the one that'll go out and, you know, probably had multiple kids. Everybody in town talks about her. You, you see, you, when you read the Bible, you keep thinking it's just all these heroes. This is who she is. This woman had many, many sins. She makes bad decisions all of her life. She just, she, if you can make a bad decision, a stupid decision, she just continually falls down and continually does the wrong thing every single time. And what does everybody in her family say about her? She's a loser. Nobody wants anything to do with her. The Pharisees can't stand her. The religious community can't stand her. Guys and men only use her for one thing. And I'm just telling you, this woman is just berated by guilt. She's tired of being the loser. She's frustrated with her own weaknesses and, and, and doing everything wrong. Nobody can stand her. And she hears that there's a man who's come to town that can offer her hope when nobody else has reached out to her. Nobody else has ever cared for her. And she goes and doesn't care what anybody else says. She goes into the Pharisee's house and they hate her. They're ready to throw her out. And she literally comes in weeping, Mike, and literally weeping and says at the feet of Jesus. And the only thing she has that's worth anything in her life because of all of her stupid decisions, she's lost everything but one bo box of ointment that literally was her life savings. And she takes that and she pours it out and anoints the feet of Jesus. And she's just hoping that somehow he will love her for the very first time for who she is. And she notices. And you have to understand, watch the movie, The Chosen, but she notices that nobody's washed Jesus' feet. And if you'd been watching the show, you would know as a Jewish custom that if you're OCD and you walk into somebody's house in those days, you wash their feet with a basin of water because they come off the dusty road. Everybody wore sandals and some of y'all ladies would relate, you ain't carrying your nasty feet into my house. And so it was just customary that any decent people would wash your visitors' feet so they didn't mess up the house. And she notices that the Pharisee was too good to do that to Jesus' feet. But she doesn't go get water. She doesn't need water. She's broken. She has no way out. She's at the end of her rope. You ever been there? Krista <laughs> testifies. She's done. And she just simply weeps. And the tears pour out onto Jesus' feet. And she takes her hair and she washes the feet of Jesus, hoping and believing for the first time somebody would accept her and love her as she was. You see this morning, oh, you getting this?
When you see yourself as God sees you, you understand this morning that, that we fall at his feet. And we understand this morning that when God sees you, he sees his son, Jesus. He doesn't see all of your past. He doesn't see all of the men that you slept with. He doesn't see all the stupid, abusive things that you've done in your life to your kids and everything else. He doesn't see all the drugs and alcohol. He doesn't see all the money that you've went after. He doesn't see any of it. All he sees is King Jesus. Amen. And so this morning, are you tracking with me today? Here's where it leads us to this morning. It leads us to principle number two. Jesus redeems us from sin so that we can worship him. God, and listen to me. I don't care what my pastor person in Texas says. God did not redeem you so that you can be a great person and you can live and be rich and famous. God redeems us so that we can serve on mission and purpose and give our lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He, gave, he redeems us so that we can worship him. You see, this morning, when that woman washed Jesus' feet, notice, write this down, the water comes from without, but the tears come from within. I'm just wrapping all this up this morning to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, the devil has been lying to so many of you all. And he's been telling you that you're better and you don't need those church people. Some of you believe in a lie. That Listen, I don't want to become, you know, I don't want to offend anyone. I'm telling you, he's just totally robbing the Gen Z's and the millennials with his view that, listen, I'm just going to be the best me. Let me explain something to you. There is no good you. I don't care what you've been told in your participation trophies, but there is no good you. There's only one good, and his name is Jesus, and all of us are evil and rotten and deserve hell without him. And then the other side of the aisle is some of us just grew up, and we've been beat down by the lies, and the saint keeps telling us, man, you are sorry, and I agree with you, man. I've screwed up so many things. I've done so many things wrong, and he keeps telling us, you know, you have no business being a preacher. You have no business coming to church, and the devil continually hammers down, and what our, our answer in both scenarios is simply this. When Jesus sees me, well, I mean, when God sees me, he sees his son, Jesus, and so I worship him. And I bow before him this morning because the only reason I'm here is because Jesus has red blotted out all of my mistakes, Ernie. <laughs> and he's the only one that loves me like that. And so we worship him. Can I tell you what it looks like? And this is how we learn to fall in love with him. This morning you need to understand you can't out sin yourself. You can't sin yourself out of the possibility of forgiveness. In other words, some of us think that we've gotten so low that we can never, ever experience God's forgiveness. We were in my D group uh, this past uh, Tuesday night in discipleship groups, and uh, we just studied the gospel of John. I'll explain that here in just a minute. 
And uh, I was with my three guys, and we were just sharing, and and, uh, we were in John chapter 5, and the story goes like this, that in John 5, this dude gets healed by Jesus, but then he really doesn't believe that Jesus is all that. And so our guys got into a discussion, uh, and, um, you know, I won't mention, like, Grant's name and stuff. Anyway, so we got into this discussion, I think it was Grant that pointed out, and he said, you know, but how how just stupid was this dude that Jesus just healed him, and then he's still not believing in him? And then we all got into this discussion, and I said, but Grant, we do the same thing. God redeems us, and he saves us, and he gives us hope, and he heals our families, and he does all the stuff that he does in our lives, and yet we won't worship him, we won't come to his house, we won't tithe, we won't give, we won't do all this stuff. And I said, we're no different. And and so we got into this great discussion, and then the guys brought out, and uh, one of the guys said, you know, but but it's all about the witness and, and, and having other people see the life change. And one of the guys was just sharing in our group Tuesday night. And he said, you know, I made this decision in my life where I probably took a job that I shouldn't have taken. And I've asked their permission to share all this. So this is all, um, they've given me their permission. And the guy just said, one of the guys in our group said, you know, I've been struggling with that decision. And he said, I probably just took this job because, you know, it just looked good and I wanted to get, you know, whatever. How many have ever been there? made a bad decision about a job because it looked good and it would give you a nice title. And the guy was just beat down. And he said, but it's interfered with my family time, my time with Jesus and faith. And he goes, I just, I feel like a failure. And he was ready to quit and give up. And this is what we do here at Discipleship at Connect Church. And you know what we did? We got crazy, Shelton. We just prayed over him and said, guess what? It doesn't matter. When Jesus sees you, he doesn't see a guy that made a stupid decision about a job. He says, I love you anyway. And you know what we prayed over my brother? We prayed that God would just either lead him to another job, and guess what? You screwed up, you took the wrong one, let God open up a new door, or God will make it better, and you're going to be happy where you're at. And we just prayed and said, God can redeem anything. And it was so cool because that's what it is when Jesus, when you see yourself as God sees you, you don't see the limitations, you see the possibilities. So here was my story. I was sharing with the guys, and it's so been overwhelming in January. Satan has been roaring like a lion in my heart and my mind. And what I'm preaching to you today, I'm struggling with my own self. And the devil has just allowed negative thoughts. And man, I'm telling you, he's unleashed all hell on me this month. And I think it's because of what God's doing in your all's lives, and he's coming after me. And I've ticked him off. And uh, honestly, there's been some personal attacks. And I've let him get to me. So I just told my day group, I'm struggling. And you know what they did? They just prayed for their pastor. And they just reminded me. You know when Jesus sees you, Brother Terry, he doesn't see your limitations and your failures. He just sees Jesus. And they prayed that into my life. I'm telling you, it's a game changer. And the next day, I was trying to get the victory, and I'm walking through my neighborhood, and I'm just praying over the lost folks in my neighborhood, praying to come to Jesus, walking through there. It was a cold morning. And all of a sudden, I get to 178. I live between Morville and Dorsey, and, and <laughs> it's just, I mean, Satan is so diabolical. This red car comes by, and if you all drive a red car, I'm going to find you out and hunt you down. Anyway. But this red car comes by, 
it is loaded, packed with teenagers, and I don't or young adults, and I don't know what they're but they're wearing at school, and uh, and they just packed the car out. And I kid you not, they had the window rolled down. It was like forty something degrees, and they're all sticking their head out as they came by me. And I just happened to get to the edge of our subdivision and the highway, and they all stick their head out. And I kid you, it was really creepy. And they all just go. Aah! And I mean, I so wanted to go back at him. But I mean, I was so wigged out, Jim, that it was like not so weirdo people. And I mean, they just slowed down and they all just screamed out their window. And I mean, I was, yeah, I was an oh my goodness moment. And I was like, dude, I was just talking to Jesus. Who are you? And it hit me for real. Y'all believe what you want. But I believe, honestly, Satan sent them by to yell at me at that precise moment. And honestly, what happened next, and I'm not proud of this, but I just sit down on the road and I just said, I can't do this, God. I said, even nutso teenagers are yelling at me. And I said, you're moving in our church and it's just bigger than what I'm, I'm not qualified to be the pastor of a church with 500 people. I don't even know if I want to do this. People have been giving me a hard time. And I just said, even knuckleheads are yelling at me. And do you know what God said? He said, get up, get up. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. I am King Jesus. I am interceding for you at the right hand of the Father. Now get up, keep praying, keep preaching, and keep going. Because I'm telling you, when I look at you, I'm not yelling. I see my son. And this morning, I want you to bow your heads with me. And I want you to close your eyes this morning. And I want to ask you this morning, would you stand with me? Would you stand? And whether you're in Missouri, Mountain Grove, would you stand, Alan, in your house to this morning? Wow. Man, God is moving out. And I want to ask you this question this morning as we go into invitation. We're going to sing one verse this morning. One verse. And here's what I'm going to ask you Who are you in the story? Who are you in the story? Are you Simon the Pharisee? Man, you've got questions and you're intrigued and so you show up to Connect Church because you hear all the stuff going on. But man, I'm not a believer. <laughs> I just want to be, see what's going on. Oh, I'm telling you, you can do better than that. We want to invite you to come. Would you come and dive in with Jesus? Let him red blot out all of your past. Only he is worthy. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, let me just talk to my church family this morning. There's a lot of us that relate to this woman in the story, amen? And for whatever diabolical reason, Satan has convinced you that your sins are too big. Your screw-ups as a church member, as a deacon, I'm talking about leaders. I'm saying everybody from the top to the bottom, staff members all the way through. Folks, it's time that we get real. 
And it's time that we bring to Jesus our alabaster box. And say, this is all I am. This is all I got. I have totally screwed up everything else. And I come and I worship the only one who can red blot out all of my sins and failures. Would you pray that into your life right now? Would you worship him right now and say, no more excuses. I'm not worthy, but he's made me worthy. And I run to the feet of Jesus. And some of you need to come to this old-fashioned altar and you need to get back to that humble place where you weep before him. And you just come as you are. As we sing a verse of invitation, would you come? Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 10.30. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like answered, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.